Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Oh, what a great presence of God here tonight. I want to honor Brother Malone and Brother Jones and their wives and families. And uh, so honored to have you standing here while I fumble around a little bit. And um, I need to write you a big check so you'll invite me down to Roatan. And uh, that's just a fantastic testimony, isn't it? Wow. I'm sure they were enjoying Montana. Praise God. And it's so good to be back once again. And uh, so good to see my friend, Brother Otto Martin, and his family visiting in the area and came to be at church tonight. He pastors a fantastic, vibrant church in the New Orleans area in Louisiana. And Brother Shaw, a local pastor here, is a good friend of mine. And good to see Brother Emery, who preached years after year after year at our singles conference that we used to have called Simply Jesus. And appreciate seeing him and all the good brothers and men of God and women of God here tonight. It's great to be in the family, isn't it? What do people do? You may be seated for a minute. What do people do when they go through trauma and they don't have a church family or faith in God? No hope. No wonder they're all addicted to something. With such emptiness in such a dark time that we live in, the world's going crazy. Thank God for the rock. How many is glad you're on the rock? Amen. And uh, I'm betwixt and between here tonight, between two different sermons to preach. So I'm thinking about preaching both of them. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, One of my hindrances to the one that I've sort of landed on to preach is a message I've preached a lot. Although I brought it out of the mothballs just very recently. And I'm very, very interested in, and I think it's divine orchestration that I preach after Brother Pixler preached today because he sort of tied it up with a passion to discover new territory. You didn't say it with those words, but I think that captures a little bit what you were saying. To apprehend, as Paul said, to find new heights and depths. There's way more out there waiting for us than we have yet even experienced. 
And if it's this good on this level, how good could it be on this level? And if it's good on that level, what could it be like on this level? And the kingdom of God is not stagnant. It's, it's moving. It's, it's an organism. And it's, it's my passion, my hunger to discover and to launch to deeper places and higher places. I think one thing we do really good is rejoice. When I say we, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about universally. We are good rejoicers. But we stink at suffering. We, we, we want to avoid it with everything in our hearts. And that's understandable because nobody likes pain except masochists. But you and I don't grow and mature when we're celebrating. That's not when we really grow and mature. We feel real good. And we want that to stay there like Peter said. It's good for us to be here. Let's stay a while. Let's build us some tabernacles. Let's hang up, hang around here. It's awesome here. But we never seem to be able to just stay there because there's more to do. And so we don't grow or mature generally in our celebrations And I love to shout as much as anybody, if not more than most. But we grow in our sufferings, in our trials, because it moves us to seek Him deeper, because I need Him more. I call that deepening or deepen. And... In order for us to grow and mature, we must deepen. And by that I mean deepen our discipleship. We have this notion, and if I'm wrong, publicly change my thinking, or preferably after the service. But we sort of have an idea... That when a new person comes in, experiences a new birth, and we put them through our journey class or our foundations class or new believers class, and by the time that's over and they've uh, bought in and changed, they understand the oneness of God, they understand the new birth, they understand separation from the world and holiness within and without, and now they can be in certain ministries that we've discipled them. They're, they're solid. Therefore, if we've discipled them, we were already discipled a long time ago. And I guess there's some logic to that, but it almost speaks to, I don't need to continue to disciple. And I think, well, I've been in the church now 40 years. Unbelievable. I'm only 
38. And uh, I think it would be good if we really all saw ourselves as hungry disciples, willing to deepen our commitments, willing to continue to change things that need to be changed rather than be just casually aware of it and blow it off. One of the things about suffering that's different about celebrating, when I'm celebrating, I don't really see my flaws very clearly. But when I'm suffering, I start seeing things in my life, in my heart, that I didn't notice before. I think that's one reason why we avoid suffering. Because it brings out the real us. And what are we supposed to do with that? Will the, will the real most perfect person or perfect person in this room please identify yourself? I didn't see any hands, maybe some silent amens, but I really don't think there is anybody in here perfect yet amen that's a question mark kind of look there looking for an answer how many believe that we're not perfect and how many times particularly maybe in trying times that you start seeing some flaws how many believe you have flaws just can I see those hands again? And how many, if I asked you and you were willing to tell me, and I'm not going to ask you, but how many of you could probably name four or two of those flaws? I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to say tell your neighbor. Just to, between you and God. How many could, under scrutiny, talk about that you would acknowledge two flaws that you know of. That's pretty much it. What are you doing about them? Does it trouble you? Does it speak to you? And this is where I think we could afford to turn up a notch. Because we didn't see those flaws... By accident. The pressures of life reveal our flaws to ourselves and many times to everybody else. And when those flaws become apparent, I don't think it's something just to blow off. I think it's God's way of saying, this is what I want you to deal with. So I can take you to the next level. And you can't go to the next level without doing something about these flaws. That's discipleship. God help me let you help me to overcome these flaws. 
Did you guys raise your hand about flaws and stuff? I didn't really look over there, but I see two right now. Because we cannot forget that we ourselves are also disciples. And we need to continue our discipleship. Because I don't want to be stuck. And I think a lot of times we rejoice trying to get unstuck. And when it's all over, we come back to the same old person with the same old flaws. And so I'm inviting you and challenging you. And it's a little bit your fault because you talked about wanting to go to the next level and experience new things. But I'm very sure we can't do that until we do something about this. Because at the next level, am I doing okay because I'm feeling very alone here? I don't like loneliness. Because in order for God to give us what we say we want in revival, there first has to be a deepening of our discipleship to be prepared to handle what He wants to give to us. Because we're not in the place to handle it if we're ignoring flaws that God keeps talking to us about. Because it's those flaws that could trip us up when we start getting what we want if we don't take care of it before we get there. And I want to get there. How many would like to get there? So, I want to challenge myself first and the rest of us to think in terms of the way to get up, as we know, is to get down. Humble ourselves. Mortify the deeds of the flesh, these little um, flaws, and conquer them, and then watch us rise. Now God can add. Does that logic make any sense to anybody? Can I get an amen? amen. That means that there's a price to pay to go up and be there. And I want to go there. How many want to go there? Well, let's stand together and let's go to the book of Psalms. And if I drove the joy out of here, I certainly apologize. <laughs> or if I put you at... Well, whatever it might be, uh, I did not intend to bum you out. 
But sometimes the truth is a little uncomfortable. And I believe that I'm telling you the truth. How can we grow if we're not growing? And if we don't grow, we're just going to repeat the same thing over and over again. And I am again it. I think God's calling us up. That means leaving some things down. How many remember those flaws or did you instantly forget all about that? How many could still count out at least two flaws that you have? The only way you know that is by the Spirit of God that showed it to you. Or it was so big you couldn't deny it any longer. (laughs) Psalms chapter 91. If you've heard me preach on these thoughts before, you are so blessed to get to hear it again. (laughs) Psalms 91 verse 1. Would you read with me? How many would read with me? Let's read out loud. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the... From the noisome pestilence, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thy eyes shall they behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made thy the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation because you decided to dwell in the secret place because you decided to dwell in the secret place and you decided to make that refuge your habitation where you're going to live on a daily basis all of these benefits are going to be yours one verse from First Kings chapter 17, when right after when Ahab, Ahab was visited by Elijah, and Elijah told him that there was going to be a famine in the land and no rain would come, God gave Elijah instructions. Get thee hence, in verse 3 of 1 Kings, get thee hence, and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook at Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be 
that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. There. When you get there, cool stuff is going to happen. But you've got to go there. That's where the blessing is, right there. So I'm talking about a, a place, next slide, called there. I have to get there. How about you? If you could take it or leave it, you'll leave it. Because the passion of the Spirit that came on you compels us with the passion to get there and discover new things, a place. How many would like to go? How many have an idea? I know I'm kind of dragging this out and the whole time I'm saying, shut up and just preach and get it over with. I'm having a hard time doing that. But how many of you, even of late, let's say in the last month, have thought about these strange thoughts? I wonder what it would be like if I could, maybe you didn't use these words, but if I could get past where I am, there's something out there. There's something compelling me. And it makes us hungry. Wave your hand and shout praise the Lord if you've been thinking like that lately. Let's give him some high praise for just a few minutes. Can we do that? Because I want to go to a place. Oh, I want to go there. Oh, Come on, church. Let's let's heat it up just a little bit more. Hey, I? God, help us launch something tonight. Help us launch something tonight. Would you put your hand, a brother to brother, sister to sister on somebody's shoulder, take them by the hand. And I'd like you to really intercede for them that tonight launches something in their life. Could you pray that prayer? God, we want to launch. We don't want to be stuck. We don't want to be the same old, same old that we've been. We want to change locations, oh God. In the name of Jesus, bless my brothers, bless my sisters. Oh, God, I want to dwell in that secret place. Oh, Moranda Baba. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Could you pray for just one more person? Would you mind? Would you mind if you prayed for one more person? Could you just find somebody else? Help us, Lord, shake ourselves. Stir ourselves. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh God, oh God. 
Can you uh, get a, a witness on Praise God. About? Trust in you, Jesus, to break us out of that slavery. Don. Lord, the Savior of the day. Does your spirit the bear witness of what God, I'm saying? Does your spirit bear witness to what I'm can we pray in tongues for a moment? Can we just pray in the Spirit? We pray with the understanding. Let us pray in the Spirit. Oh, let the Spirit flow a little bit. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, help us move up, God. Help us move up. Help us move up. Help us change. Help us change. You may be seated. God bless you. Let's go to slide one. Let me just reiterate this which I think is a powerful verse of Scripture in Psalms 91, pregnant with promise for hungry people. People that are dissatisfied with the here and are hungry for the there. People that can see just beyond and desire to apprehend. Paul was one like that. He that dwelleth in the Secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He's my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. The word secret literally means a covering. A covering. That when we dwell in this covering place, this relationship, I abide under the shadow. That word literally means shade. Under the shadow of the Almighty. We're living in a world that's so heated up with pressure. There is intense pressure in our world as chairman of points of refuge i get calls often about stress and about pressure and feeling overwhelmed the word overwhelmed in the scripture the verse in psalm 61 that says when i was overwhelmed within me That word means a shroud or darkness. People in our culture are living under darkness. Their covering is darkness. Their covering is a shroud. But oh, thank God, our covering is the presence and the glory of God. How many is glad you've got that kind of covering? He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means we have it made in the shade, Brother Malone. Would you stand for just a minute that if the heat of the sun is burning and pressure is upon me, 
and I dwell in that secret place, that means, and I'm in the shade of the Lord, that means you get between me and that pressure Mm. and that heat. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's a little cooler being in the shade of the Almighty Mm -hmm. than it is being totally exposed to the elements of this world. That's why we need to dwell in the secret place. A place that we live on a daily basis. Not just getting a Sunday morning high or a midweek feeding. But something we do on Tuesday morning in personal time. And Wednesday morning in personal time. Drawing the resources and the strengths that God has on a daily basis. In order to replenish that which is depleted. What's happening to so many that are so struggling and hurting? And it would be ignorant of us to think that we don't have hurting people in our ranks. What is the problem? Number one, it's getting hotter outside. Number two, it's getting darker outside. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. And if the world's getting worse, the church needs to get better. If we are where we were a year ago, we're falling behind. If we're where we were six months ago, we're getting behind. If we're stuck, we're setting ourselves up for destruction because God is leading the church into deeper things and higher things and we need to catch up with it. If the world is getting worse, the church should be getting better. Can I get an amen there? That means i got to get a little higher. i got to get a little deeper. I've got to get a little cleaner. I've got to take care of some flaws so I can move deeper into the presence of God and live in that dwelling place. Those flaws that I so expertly just landed on your, on your plate there, so smooth, are like prison bars that we want to get out and get freer yet these things will not let us go it's really about transformation and change and liberty and I get ahead of myself just a little bit but can you sense and feel that there is another dimension if you will or another level if you will or another kind of Dimension of the presence of God. It's just right there. If I could just get there. And I'm hungry for it. If you're hungry for it. And you feel a need for it. That you're tired of being where you are. And somehow it's not working for you like it used to. And you find yourself in need and desire. If that's you, would you just stand and lift your hand and give God praise right now and say, God, I want to get there. Come on, somebody. Stir up the gift that is in you. Because we're not going to get there by accident. Oh, God. Oh God, oh God, oh God, I need to get a breakthrough somehow. I need to move forward somehow. I want to go to a place that's called there. You know the scripture has been preached to death through the years. You may be seated.
slide number seven in Philippians. He said, not as though I had already apprehended. Oh, what a danger that is to think I've got it all. He said, I've not apprehended. That means if anybody in the New Testament other than Jesus could say, I have apprehended, it would have been Paul. But he said, I haven't. I confess I haven't got it all and there's more I want to get. He said, I haven't already attained and neither were already perfect. But I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. I follow after. That means there's something leading him that he's got to follow after. He's wanting to apprehend something that he hasn't apprehended. And he confesses that I'm going to follow after in order to attain. That's why being satisfied with here and now is a death knell. Because I have to apprehend in order to stay alive. Because God is leading and I follow after. I submit to you, there's something tugging on you. There's something that keeps you awake. And it says, I want you to follow after. You haven't yet obtained. You haven't yet apprehended. That means I've got to get tired enough of where I am to start seeking and following after so that I might apprehend. How many feel like there's something out there God wants you to apprehend? He goes on to say, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, what a focus. Forgetting. These things are those things which are behind. The Amplified there says, not living in the past. I am so thankful for the past. I am so thankful for what God has done. But if I get stuck looking backwards, I'm no longer seeking to apprehend. Honoring the past, but forging for a new future. He said, I'm not going to just live in the past, but I'm going to be reaching forth for those things which are before. There's something right before me. There's something so close, but I'm not going to get it just living in the past and thinking about all the good things only. But let's think also about the better things. If we apprehend. Are you still with me here tonight? And then he said he reaches and he presses toward that mark for the prize of the high calling. Follow after. There's something to follow after. Where's God taking me? Where does he want me to go? And right then the flaws show up. Right then, we see those things that aren't pretty. 
Because we're following after God. And God starts showing us our flaws. And for years, I used to think, Oh, God's angry with me. Look at my flaws. I'm, I'm bad. And it's, it's ugly. And surely he's mad. Because when God does show you your f- flaws, it's a pretty sobering moment. If we'll be honest. And I used to think he was angry. But now I think I see it differently. That it's not an anger. It's an invitation. That if you will let me help you overcome these things, then I can answer that prayer that you've been hungry for to move up and to move in and to apprehend. And so we get stuck right there. Because then we don't deepen our relationship by dying to our flaws. Dying. The old dying thing that we don't like to hear about. Where we have to decrease so he can increase. I hope that I have some compatriots that are hungry to go deeper and to experience God in a whole new way and this discipleship is the pathway to get to where we want to go i remember as a new convert i was so zealous god didn't have to bring up stuff i knew all a bunch of stuff that was already there and i used to get a thrill out of mortifying the deeds of the flesh because i recognized the more self i could kill the more jesus i could experience The more I could kill, the deeper I would get and the more I can experience with God. But after a while, that sort of gets old. And after a while, we sort of kind of get easy. And we forget that we cannot forsake discipleship until we step out of here in through those gates of glory. Because God is in the business of perfecting His church. Oh, how many want to get perfect in God? You want to be perfected in the Spirit. Somebody shout praise the Lord here today. Because God is not angry about our flaws. He's inviting us to let Him help us conquer those flaws so that we can go into that place called there. That place where it's freer. That place where there's more joy. More clarity, more anointing, more demonstration, more um, drawing on the lost. Because the freer we get, the freer they'll be able to get. We cannot give what we don't have ourselves. And so he followed after. His number one passion was to press toward the mark. To obtain and to apprehend. Going to back to Elijah in slide number 10. God spoke to him. We read it. Get thee hence. 
Turn thee eastward. Hide thyself in the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. There is a place that the miraculous is going to take place. But it's not here. It's got to be over there. In order to get there, you've got to get up. You've got to stir yourself. And you've got to go on a journey and find that place that he said, if you get there, you're going to find what you really want to find. And that's sustenance. And so it didn't say go halfway there. Oh, how many times have I cheated myself by launching a, 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 a passion to seek God on a deeper level. And it got better. I'm on a diet. Many have mentioned that. And here's my fear. I haven't reached my goal yet. But I'm doing really a lot better than I was doing before I started. So it's good enough. That's what I can't afford to do, brother. I can't be satisfied to be good enough. I got to get those next 15 pounds. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. That means... More lettuce. I've already ate 40 acres of lettuce. Oh, God. <laughs> I've tried every piece of kind of lettuce there is. Oh, I'm surprised I don't have a green hue to my face. And it's so in the spirit realm that Sometimes we satisfy ourselves with it's better, but it's not there. How old are you, Brother Jones? 24 years old. You are so primed that by the time you're 40, what kind of man of God could you be in 16 years if you kept pursuing that place called there and you refuse to be satisfied with almost there or halfway there or sort of going there or 15 pounds short of getting there. I look pretty good, but if you saw all of me, you wouldn't think it was that good. I could kind of cover it up. With a nice suit of clothes, there's another 15 pounds that's got to get out of there so I can get there. Amen. And let's take, go together, ladies and gentlemen, and let's take care of the rest of it that we haven't taken care of because we're really close to being there. We just got to get all the way there. Let's not be satisfied with almost there. Let's not be satisfied with most of the way there. Because the ravens, Elijah, are not going to fly to you. You are going to have to walk to them. Because they were commanded to feed them there. And they ain't coming to you. You've got to get to them. You've got to get up. And so what did Elijah do? We find out that he arose. And he went to Cherith. 
and he found the ravens and he found the water. But he had to go all the way there. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had one of those moments? I am so there. I am like all about there. I am like into being there. You've been there. You've been there. When you baptize those 90 people down there. And they're singing oh cucaracha or whatever they do. Amen. And the high of praying them through. Am I right? You were there. But guess what? There moves. Absolutely. And this is a problem. What if Elijah didn't move? Because there changed. That place at Cherith wasn't there anymore. And so it came to pass. Slide 11. After a while... Look at that. After a while, the brook dried up. Oh, bummer. I'm really enjoying being here. That's the problem. It's no longer there. It's here. You're there turned into a here. And you're there moved. That's why Paul had to follow after. Because the there is leading you. And you've got to follow after we have too many people sitting in Cherith with a dry brook and dead ravens talking about how good it was when the ravens used to come by here talking about how sweet the water is and if we go there right now we'd find bleach bones because they didn't go after and keep moving And keep traveling. Pastor brethren, we individually have to move in our discipleship and keep moving and following after. Brothers and sisters, saints of God, we can't afford to get stuck in a place where the river isn't flowing and the ravens are gone thinking that we're still where we need to be because God moves there. I'm not talking about geographic. I'm talking about spiritual change. And so the brook dried up. In verse 8, it says, The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath. It was a long way to Zarephath. And it was over a desert. And his there changed. Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there behold I've commanded the widow woman there to sustain thee his there change I would like to believe that tonight God is changing our there and that we can head toward a place called there because I'm tired of being here I want to go there. There's more revival there, Sam. There's more anointing there. There's more blessing there. I need to be careful on these steps here. Just about killed myself last year. Maybe I just ought to go back up there and forget this. 
I think that's a here and this is there. How many want to go there? Uh, you must not have heard what I said. How, how many want to go there? I'm sorry. You may be seated. You need to see. Who are the Who are the four or five in this room that really, 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 really want to go there? Oh, you misunderstood. Everybody that wants to go there, let's arrive. Come on, somebody, get yourself up, stir up yourself, and start moving toward that place. Am I making any sense tonight? I'm going to get this 15 pounds off of me. Sister Libby, we got to get this 15 pounds off of me. She's already lost all she's going to lose. I need to help me lose mine. Amen. Thank God. And I want to stir myself up. I don't want to be satisfied, Brother Picture, with almost there. Almost there's worse than even start not even going. Because when you're almost there, you can delude yourself into thinking you are there when you're just close to there it's not the same thing let's all lift our hands and give God loud praise right now come on loud praise praise him like you really want to go there haramba kiyama shata I want to go. I'm going. Oh, somebody's going right now. Somebody's moving right now. I just felt somebody move. Somebody shook it off. Somebody said, I'm going. Somebody shouted, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm following after. Something's leading me. You may be seated. Slide 12. He told him and Verse 9, I've commanded a widow woman. And then in verse 10, he says, so he arose. He didn't just think about arising. He didn't just talk about arising. He did it. He got up. And he started walking. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks and he called her and said fetch me I pray thee a little water in a vessel that I may drink court slipping to verse 15 and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah now there's something you've got to do brother Malone Malone and brother Jones there's something you got to do, and then there's something God will do. God said, go to Cherith, and he went, and the ravens came, and the water flowed. He had to go to Zarephath, and he got up, and he went. That's his part. That's our part. 
We have to do something. We've got to pursue. Paul said he pressed. He was urgent about it. Draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. We stimulate God. Like in that water, that, that boat. Who was that talking about that? That was awesome. Got a revelation. I think, was that you, Brother Pixler? About being in the boat and seeing God in a bigger way and knowing they were God? Who was that? <laughs> okay, cool. And when, we, when they were about to sink and Jesus is asleep, presumably, I think he was asleep with one eye open. Peter comes back and says, carest thou not that we perish? Right, right, right. I think what he was saying, get a bucket and help us. And you know what he did? He calmed it. Amen. That's the kind of thing that will change your life when you experience something like that. And I think it, God has some things like that in that place. What if Peter never went and woke Jesus up? How far would Jesus carry it? Because he wasn't going to drown. He knew how to walk on water. How far would he have carried it until somebody stirred themselves enough to stir God enough? You know, we think we're waiting on God. And I think a lot of times God's waiting on us. Well, we're waiting on the Lord. Bible says wait on the Lord. It sure does. But it doesn't say take a nap while you're doing it. And I think when the Bible says... Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. He's just sitting on the edge of the balcony waiting for you to take a couple of steps. And He'll leap to you. I believe that. And so she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of cruise of meal wasted not neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah and so there was provision because he went there I've got to finish a building you know how it is there's too much building and too little money how do you get past that and I got lifted today a word of faith came to me today about the finances that I'm concerned about. Because when you get there, things just sort of fall into place. Things just have a way of just kind of working out when you get there. And then when there moves and you don't move with it, things don't, don't keep working right so much anymore. And that's a signal to me. I need to go find my next there. You remember when the... Jesus went to the cross and, of course, at death, burial, and resurrection. And in Matthew 28, when Jesus said all those wonderful things, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, go ye therefore. In other words, he was telling them, I'm God, therefore go. Whenever you see the word therefore, you want to take a look at what it's there for. And so... He said, I'm God, go, teach all nations, 
you know where that happened? It happened on a mountaintop. Matthew chapter 28 verse 16, just a few verses earlier, says this. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. In other words, he made an appointment with them up there. He did not make appointment with them down here where it would be easier and a lot more inconvenient. But he made an appointment up there. What if they'd never met the appointment? What if they just got too tired or too inconvenient, too nonchalant, and didn't go to the appointment? I wonder how many appointments I've missed. Because I didn't want to pay the price to climb up all the way. Come on, meet us halfway, Lord. Come on. No, I want you to come all the way there. I wonder how many things we've missed because we fell short of pursuing. Oh, God. I'm 62 in about three weeks. I've got, I don't know, 10 years left of whatever. I don't have time to play games anymore. I don't have time to be excited about them cowboys. I don't have time. No offense, Brother Pixar. I don't have time to frivolize. And just play games and kind of take it easy. If I'm going to get to where I want to get to, I've got to spend the next decade not playing games, but following after. Now, son, think in terms of 10 years, not 50 years. Where are you going to be in 10 years? It's going to depend on whether you keep some appointments that God has for you. I wish I had it all over to do again. I think I'd try to make it count more. I think I'd prayed more. I think I'd fasted more. I think I'd done a lot more. Your prime, prime opportunity. You're 50. I hate you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. What can happen in the next 20 years? What can happen, ladies and gentlemen, in the next two months? If we decided, I'm going to break out of these chains. I'm going to become the person I always wanted to be. I'm going to get the junk out of my life and out of my head. I want to seek God with a passion. And I'm going to go there. And I'm going to go all the way there. What can happen? Oh, God. If I'm privileged to come preach this meeting again next year, I hope I'm a long way away from here. Right now, here is there. But next year, here is going to be a here. I better come back next year. A little far.
of the law following after apprehending. Come on, where are the apprehenders around here? How do we want to get a hold of God and not let go? Oh, I'm trying to hurt. I'm trying to hurt. You may be seated. I love this scripture in Isaiah 60. It's become a, a kind of a a watchword in our church in Isaiah 60. I believe it has powerful New Testament implications. Arise. Shine. Not like this. I purposely, when I preach to a congregation, I look above everybody. I look close enough to you to make you think I'm looking at you. But I look above. The reason is I don't want to see your faces. Because I'm afraid I'll drop my head right down at the wrong person, say. <laughs> or just the other day, last Sunday morning, I saw the largest yawn ever. He was two rows away from me. And his jaw dropped down to here. And the top of his teeth was back here somewhere. I could look all the way down into his stomach. And I was preaching. Really good. I tell you, I take that wind right out of your sail. What if everybody came to church Sunday morning, prayed up, and nobody had to pray up during service? They came to church already prayed up. Maybe God can save the lost if the saved would keep themselves saved. Come on, what if we took a lap toward a place called there all week from now until Sunday? Where could we be if we all did it at the same time? Oh my goodness. Come on somebody, arise and shine. Get up and get with the program. Gotta have more prayer, gotta have more fasting. You may be seated. Arise, shine, for thy light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. But you've got to rise. He's not going to rise upon you sitting there taking a half a nap. Come on, just be really laid out there. You know, it just ain't going to happen, man. There's no shining going on there. No glory there. But if I know what you mean, it feels so good, doesn't it? Just I, it makes me want to lay down there next to you, amen. But I gotta shake off that apathy. You know what apathy means? Without passion. Apathy means without a without passion. We gotta. If I don't have passion, I gotta get passionate about getting passion. I gotta get passionate about getting passionate. Hey, I'm not passionate. That ain't going to work. I need to get get concerned about that. Come on. Let's wake you up. Let's wake me up. Let's get passionate about it. Let's rise. Let's shine. And the glory of the Lord is going to rise upon you. Yes. It's a plague. Cause there. You may be seated. Verse 2. For behold. Watch this. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Is that happening or what? Darkness is covering the earth. You just saw it 20 miles from here. What was the name of that movie? Something Dark Night? The Rise of the Dark Night. How apropos. 
Because the dark night showed up that night. There is a dark night. But he's not on the movie theater. He's walking about. Seeking whom he may devour. Amen. And there's darkness covering the earth. And gross darkness. The people. Gross darkness. That word. Those two words. Gross darkness. Shall cover the earth. Or the people. Comes from a Hebrew word. Which means. A lowering sky. In other words. Gross darkness is pressing on people like a lowering sky, pressure, bondage, sinfulness. But he says, you arise and shine because the darkness, you can defeat it. They can't. They're subject to it. Look at the next verse. He said, or let's finish that second verse. For behold, a darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness of people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen of thee. Brethren, pastors, that's exactly what the enemy is trying to stop. The glory rising on us while the darkness is lowering on the people and the enemy is assaulting the church to keep us small, keep us down, keep us midgets, not letting us grow, helping us be apathetic. And it's time for us to take a hold of that business and decide I am sick of being here. I am going there and God is going to help me be an overcomer. Oh, come on, somebody. Verse three. Look what happens. Look what happens. You're rising. The glory is rising. Look what happens in verse 3. And the Gentiles, the people that are oppressed, the people that are hurting, the people are confused, the Gentiles shall come to thy light and the kings of, uh, to the brightness of thy rising. We're supposed to be rising. We're supposed to be moving up. Not staying still. Not staying where we have always stayed. He said they're going to come to your rising. They're not going to come and then you rise. We have to rise. Then they come. Verse 4. Lift up thine eyes round about and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons come from far. And thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. And there's more and more and more. If the church rises, the brightness is going to draw the lost. We're waiting for something that's waiting for us. We're waiting for this revival. But that revival is waiting on us to rise. In Numbers, when the children of Israel were moving through the wilderness, it says this in Numbers chapter 9, So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Look at verse 17. Read it with me out loud. And when the cloud was taken up, 
from the tabernacle. Then after that, the children of Israel journeyed. And the place where the cloud abode, there children of the Israel pitched their tents. In other words, they just didn't go out a couple of miles and break camp. And then the glory left and they stayed there. No, they had to pick up camp. They had to pack it all up and follow the cloud. And when it stopped, they stopped. They pitched camp, then it moved. And they had to keep moving. Pitch camp, move. Because here became there. And then there became here. And then they had to follow the there. And I think we're not doing that as well as we could do. If we could be more intentional about following after and apprehending and moving with the cloud and moving with the... And the problem is it means dying the whole way. Because we've got to surrender. We've got to die. And we don't want to kill the flesh. And we'd rather stay here than deal with the flesh. You remember all those flaws we were confessing a little while ago? In 2 Corinthians 3 in the Amplified Version, you quoted it in the King James. I just want to go to the Amplified for a minute. Now the Lord is that Spirit where the Spirit of the Lord is. Is this the Amplified? Yes, it is. There is liberty, emancipation from bondage and freedom. Now read it with me. And all of us with unveiled face because we continued to behold in, in the Word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are constantly, everybody say constantly, being transfigured into His very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. One ever-increasing splendor. From one degree of glory to another. When was the last time we transformed into that next degree of glory? On and on and on. Have I left you? Have you left me? Does this make sense? What if we really got serious? God, I'm tired of this degree I'm on. I want to get to the next degree. I want to go with the cloud. That's right. Let's take a moment. For those of you that want to go to that next degree. You see, you're really excited about that new Mercedes Benz until you look at the sticker. That's what the car salesman hopes you never even ask. Don't ask me how much it costs. Because you might not buy. There is a cost. Those flaws. If you could do, if I could do something about those flaws, what could I do? Where could I go? What could I, I've only got 10 years. I've got to make it all count. I don't have time to play. Go to the, the uh, second to the last slide. It's not numbered. 
First Kings nineteen nine. Elijah had his problems. After the whole big deal at the Mount, uh, where was it? Can't hear you. Still can't hear. Mount Carmel. Yes, thank you. And he runs in the spirit all the way back to town. And he gets a letter from Jezebel. Within 24 hours, I'm going to kill you. He just killed 400 false prophets by himself. Saw fire down from heaven. And this lady says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he totally freaks out. And he runs to his cave. We all have caves we run to. Lick our wounds. Wonder where God is. Afraid. Shook up. And look what happened here in verse 9. And he came hither unto a cave. And he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You're supposed to be there. What are you doing here? I can feel that combination or conviction even this moment. What are we doing here? What am I doing here? I need to get back there. Oh. From one degree of glory to another. Last verse. God wants to bless Moses. He wants to give him the Ten Commandments. Let's stand together. That also means would the musicians come? Last, last slide. And the Lord said to Moses, would you read it with me? Come up to me into the mount and be there. Again, you got to climb. I'm not going to come down from the mountain and become your escalator. I want you to come up. It's a climb. It takes some effort. There's a price to pay. You got to change some things. You got to change some priorities. You've got to put some things away and bring some things in. If you understand what I'm talking about, would you shout amen? How many understand what I'm talking about when I say get some things out and get some things in? Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, could we all launch tonight? Look what he said. Come up to me. We're always wanting God to come down to us. And I think God is saying, why don't you come up to me and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone. On and on and on. In other words, when you get there, God has something he wants to give you. But he wants you to come there. Come to me. 
and be there. And I will give you. I'm hungry for that. I need Him to give me money. But that's the smallest of it. I need Him to help me get a clean heart and pure hands. I need God to help me cleanse myself washed in the blood. I need God to lead me. You remember that verse of Scripture that says in Psalm 61, I mentioned it earlier, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me. You know what the word lead there means? It means guide. That means you can't get there without God guiding you. Yes, right. Guide me to a rock that's higher than I. I need to go up. I got too many problems. I got too many things I can't fix. I got too many situations. I need you, God. Help me start climbing. Help me leave some things behind me so I can put on and apprehend some new things. Help me follow after. Oh God, help help us right now to humble ourselves. But we can launch. Launch. We, 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 we cut off, started a launch the other day. We call it the surge. We decided there's a place that God wants us at our church by the time we get out of that high school. We're hoping to be in the new building in December. And we're hoping that uh, God will make a way so we can do that. And... We'll probably move into an unfinished building, but we need to get out of that school. But God showed us that we have to be up here when we go in the new building. Not get ready to get there. We need to be there. So I call it a surge, which means a strong move forward and upward. I want to catch the surge. I want to go up yonder. Does anybody want to go up a little bit up on that hill? Lead me to a rock that's higher than I. I challenge you. I challenge you. Here's what I want to challenge you to. Praying. Jacking up your prayer life. Jacking up your prayer life. Not just when you come here, but more mainly by yourself in your own personal devotions. How many, let me get a hand here. How, how many want to launch tonight? All right, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to start praying. Then God's going to show you your flaws. Own your flaws. That's me. I'm not tired. I'm tired of pretending it's not there. It's there. That's me. It's ugly. It's embarrassing. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of it. Help me overcome it. Jack up your prayer life. Own your flaws. Repent of them. Change. Dedicate. Commit. And you're going to see yourself if you'll keep it up. Now at first, you're going to get some pushback. You're going to get some resistance. The enemy's not going to just let you pull this off. But get put past that. Keep doing it. 
You'll start getting your breakthroughs after about three days. And you'll start getting a breakthrough. You'll start feeling some more liberty. You'll feel some starting to move. And you're moving up. You're moving up. Jack up the prayer line. Jack up the fasting. Get serious about the Word of God. Own your stuff and add praise to it. And you'll start moving to a place called there. All in favor of launching, shout amen. I'm going to ask you to praise God with a loud voice as if you're already there. Then I'm going to, then I'm going to come. Then I'm going to say, come. And when you hear me say, come, I don't want you to walk down here like you're going to the electric chair or a gas chamber. I can't stand that. All right, let's come to the altar. As slow as it possibly can. My God, it'll take you half an hour getting here. Because I think, yeah, that's right. What'd you say? Get there! Get there! That's right. You can't get there just going like this. If you're 95, that's okay. But when you're 20, whatever, where'd he go? You don't. You don't. He's already there. That's right. Come on, somebody. All right, ready? Here we go. We're going to launch right now. Give God high praise with a loud voice. Right. 